0: I love you guys. Just to see all the different faces, even visitors that may be here for the first time, I want to say that my heart reaches out to God for you. I recognize the signs of revival because I've been in a few I recognize and sense very real the anointing of the Spirit. My heart cry is that if I could give you every bit of my experience of God, I would want to do it. But I cannot, only the Holy Spirit can. Just turn the monitors off, the please, monitor's Alex. Not on the Turn the other mics off then. If I could give that, I would. But I intercede that the Holy Spirit will give it to you. But there are times and seasons in the life of a church. And a lot depends on alignment. Thanks, Johann, for reminding us. Of the tsunami jane uh, gave me a voice note last week and she saw a tsunami coming to musenberg and had various experiences and i recognized that in 97 the lord sent me well in 96 the lord sent me to come to the cape to serve some churches and i saw a vision of the tsunami which i don't want to take time now to describe but it was so big and it was bringing shoals of fish and some ships or some boats were out there already prepared for it, some were not. Those that had not got out to sh- uh, offshore, it was too late. I want us not to be too late. I believe we are not too late. I believe we are in a place and a time where we can catch the wave of the Spirit. And so I want to talk to you about having an encounter with Christ and some of the difficulties that have held us back from encounters that bring revivals to cities. We have been praying for years for the Lord to heal our land. The Lord impressed on me. He first has to heal the church. There's a proverb in Isaiah's early verses. The whole head is sick and the body is full of sores. I want to tell you that our head, the Lord Jesus Christ, is not sick. But if the body is full of sores, it's because we need to reconnect with the head. And so I'm going to take you through this and see how we can go with the Holy Spirit's help. Is it on? It's on green, eh? Okay. Will you just turn that slide for me, Alex? Or, or what reason? Have you got it? What I'm going to do is just read some of the scripture that describes an encounter with Christ. It's in Matthew 17, if you want to check your scriptures. Matthew 17, and it says, After a few days, he went up to the mountain with Peter, James, and John. His favorites. He led them up on the high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light and behold Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking with him then Peter got a great idea and said to Jesus Lord it's good for us to be here if you wish, let us make here three tabernacles or let's build three tents here. <laughs> one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Hmm? it working now. This was an encounter with Jesus. They saw the brightness of the glory of God that was Physically and spiritually in Jesus, the Spirit of the Living God filling him through every cell and pore and so affecting his clothing that his clothing glittered. I don't know if he's been here with sparkles. Eh? Hey, the kids. It, yeah. To me it's just a, an encouragement. And as the Spirit shone through him, or the glory of God shone through him, the Scripture says that his face shone so bright. I believe that was a presence of God before them, like we've heard about in the Anopium, in the throne room, where you cannot gaze upon the face of God because the brightness of his glory, but you can be in his presence. These three disciples were in the presence of the Lord, where he was being confirmed right before their very eyes as being the king of heaven as well as the savior of the world. These apostles experienced that vision and suddenly a cloud came down over them just a moment after Peter opened his mouth and then the cloud came and the voice of the father came from heaven. This is my beloved son. Here. Him. And then Moses and Elijah disappeared and they left and Peter and James and John saw only Jesus. What came into Peter's mind to say let's build three tents? The same problem that we face when God says I want to do a new thing. We relate to the new thing according to our old teaching according to our old revelation, according to our old uh, experiences, and the Lord always does new things through releasing apostolic and prophetic words that describe new things you've never experienced before, because he says, eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love him. We've been praying for revival for years. I was sent by the Lord in 1995 to come and be in the revival in Cape Town. I've been praying for it since then. I've had over 20 signs in the heavens to confirm a prophecy the Lord gave me on the 18th of December, 1996. And he's encouraged me from time to time. There was another one this year, another one last year, another one the previous year. But before that, it was a long time before I saw the signs. The other significant thing is, I just want to put this in, the reason that I'm at the bay is because the Lord led me to be here after a time of amazing release of the fire of the Holy Spirit in our house church. Where miracles and healings were happening. People were getting money out of ATMs when they needed it. And there was no money in their bank account. But there was enough. Supernaturally provision, provision for the Supernatural provision for them. Then a couple that were involved in that house church came to me and said, Tony, will you come to our house? Because this leader of this other church we've been going to has asked us to go and pray for their home churches that the fire may come in the home churches. He said uh, to the pastor, we would, like, we would prefer that the home church comes to our house and each one after another come to our house. And then he came to me and to friend, our friends Brent and Joan, He said, before they come, we want you to come and pray in our house. When we went there, we went and prayed, and um, Karen is a pianist. We'd met her about a month before, and she'd had operations, had not been able to play the piano for, and she was a, a teacher, she'd not been able to play or teach on the piano for a couple of years because she had arthritis in her knuckles, and in order to, uh, to free the knuckles, they'd done scrape the, scrape the, um, uh, um, the knuckles to free it from the arthritis, arthritic crystals, and they'd put pins in, and the pins had come out, and it'd become septic. When they first came to speak to us about this, the anointing came on her. We prayed for her hands. Within two weeks, her hands are healed. She's playing the piano since then because of the fire that the Lord brought on us. But when we went to Jock and Karen's house, she was playing the keyboard, I was playing the guitar, and I got a militant rhythm, like the clapping of the hands. And as they came a lull in the worship, Jacques was on the floor. He looked up and he said, Tony, I asked you that the Lord, we would pray to get an open heaven over my house. But he said, I see Jacob's ladder coming down out of heaven into my house. And there's hundreds of angels coming down and not going back up. What does it mean? I said, the Lord's firstly answered our prayer before we asked it. He's given you an open heaven. Secondly, he's sent his angels so that they're on assignment and angels come down with an assignment. They don't go back up until they've completed their assignment. Mm -hmm. Can you see the significance of these things with what God the Spirit has been saying to us today? We need to forget some things and deal with some things that are blocking us. You see... Peter didn't have the right to build tents. God was doing a new thing. Moses was there to speak to Jesus about his crucifixion. Elijah was there representing the prophets. Moses represented the law. When they both spoke to Jesus, they were speaking about his departure. Peter couldn't relate to that. He could only relate to the fact we need to build the tabernacles according to the Feast of Tabernacles don't expect revival the way that you think other people have had it or the way that other churches want it or the way that you want it. God has got a new thing for us and I'm trusting that today the Lord will start that new thing in your own life and in your own mind and your own heart. So the time for booths was over. The true tabernacle for God had come. Jesus was the temple That he said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And the Pharisees and the Jewish priests said, what? It took 40 years to build this temple. Thinking of the stone temple. But Jesus was the temple. He is no longer the temple. We'll see. Three things that Peter did not see yet in his old doctrine. There are people sitting here that have got old doctrine that's holding you back from from faith, holding you back from victory, holding you back in condemnation, holding you back in accusations of the devil, not realizing that he who is born of God keeps himself and the wicked one cannot touch him. Peter did not yet see on this day the severity of sin. Peter did not yet see the power of righteousness And he didn't know that only knowing about God is a second row seat. We'll look at those three points. The severity of sin. (laughs) It brought Adam and Eve into a broken relationship with God. It brought death, murder, and immorality into their family. It brought sickness into the world. It brought creation under a curse from God. Sin separated families. Cain murdered his brother, then was exiled from the family, and there was a rivalry between Cain's family and Adam and Seth's family. It broke marriages. It broke families. Sin broke nations. It deceived the godly Adam and Eve, and it is still deceiving people who are wanting to be godly today. The only problem with being deceived is you cannot identify the fact that you're deceived until the Lord gives a prophetic word like the spirit sword of the word that actually divides between soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow. When you get the living spirit life word of God, that will show you what the truth is. Sin deceived the godly, it deceived kingdoms, and it deceives nations, and presidents, and kings, and rulers, and parliaments, and leaders. Sin does it. Sin deceived every man, woman, and child, and sin brought the law of sin and death on every one of us so that men and women and children still die. Before sin came in, there was no death on the earth. Sin had to be dealt with It was not yet dealt with, and Peter didn't see that. He didn't see that the plan for God to come and be an inhabitant with people, like the old prophets said, the tabernacle of God is with men. They shall be his people, and he shall be their God. They were still thinking it could be fulfilled through the Feast of Tabernacles in the Jewish ritual festive seasons. Peter didn't see it. The power of righteousness... There is a power which is more than justification. Look at Paul's Paul's scripture. Now, this is now the new covenant after the cross, after the resurrection, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Pentecost, now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed and it's witnessed to, foretold, prophesied by the law of Moses and by the prophets. And it says, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. This righteousness to all is known as imputed righteousness. Abram believed God, and God accounted it to him as righteousness. It's called imputation, imputed righteousness. Imputed righteousness means that God no longer declares you sinful, he declares you righteous. Your, the records of your name in the books of heaven are taken out of the books of sin, the sinful and out of the books of the wicked and written in the book of life, and he counts you as righteous. You are made righteous from the time that you received Jesus, right? In the books of heaven, you're righteous. And that's called justification. Justification was restored as a truth through Luther over 500 years ago. I want to tell you, we cannot just live in justification. Yes, we can live in justification justification because of our names being cleared in heaven, but it is not enough. Justification is not enough. Because if you have to keep going back to the cross every time to remind yourself that you are justified and your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life and you are being declared righteous in the name of Jesus uh, by the the power of the cross, then if you have to keep going back to that, then you do not have the resource within you of imparted righteousness. Righteousness on all. In the same verse, he says, the righteousness of God has been revealed to all and upon all. You could say, well, the literary professors would say to me, well, all it is is using a a phrase, which means the righteousness has been revealed to all, and now it's been given on all. I'm saying that the righteousness of God is, is imputed to all, with other scriptures giving me a a, a foundation for that. But here, this verse is giving me the hope that the righteousness of God is in me and upon me, like Isaiah says, he gives me robes of righteousness. And what Paul says, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Uh, So this righteousness which is imparted to us is sanctification by the Holy Spirit. Now, here is the distinction. If you are trying to live by, by controlling your thoughts according to the doctrine that you've been taught about, justification and you do not go through the process of opening your life and your heart and your mind and every fiber of your being, every activity in your life to the Holy Spirit to change you in all things, then you, though you are sanctified instantly at the new birth, sin will lead you through your carnal mind and death will start entering into your life. Romans 8. That's why you need to walk repentance. That's why you need to be prepared to confess your sin so that Jesus can cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's why the apostle teaches that. The process of sanctification is by the Spirit using the Word. When they were with Jesus, He said, "You are clean by the words I have spoken to you," because the powerful words of Jesus carry an anointing of grace that actually cleanses the mind, cleanses the life. And when He tells you to go out to the cities or to the uh, to the towns, go and heal the sick, cleanse the de- cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, proclaim the kingdom. Because of His command, His Word. release release grace in your life if you obeyed it and you went and did it. But we're going to see later you can have power failure. (laughs) (laughs) The third statement I made was Peter didn't see that knowing about God is a second row seat. Peter, James and John were on the front row. They were knowing not just about God, they were knowing Jesus in his glory. Jesus told them, You don't talk about this until after I'm resurrected. So it's quite interesting. John was present. Peter was present. The James who was present was beheaded by Herod. But John doesn't even write about this parable. And the three guys, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, were not present. They were not present, but they picked up the stories. That's why we got slightly different versions of them. Picked up the story. But we can learn something from this. Because while this story was happening of Jesus on the mountain with Peter, James, and John being revealed, down at the bottom of the mountain, the other nine disciples were struggling with an epileptic child. And a father had brought the child to the disciples, and they said, My child is possessed with the spirit and it throws him into the fire sometimes. Sometimes it throws him into the the water and I can't do anything. When Jesus and Peter, James and John come down the mountain, this scene is before them with the epileptic being thrown down on the ground and the father comes to him and he says, Lord, this is my child and your disciples could not cast the spirit out. Power failure. Those disciples are a a picture of the church today with a form of godliness without the power. The apostles that we read in the scriptures, they lived in a generation where power was manifesting in them as much as in Jesus. As much as in Jesus. He actually said, you will do greater things than I did, greater works than I do because I'm going to the Father. One woman touched the garment of Jesus, the hem of his garment, and got healed from a hemorrhage. The number that touched cloths that were taken from Paul's body in Ephesus is not counted. But many were healed. <laughs> so we don't, to, we don't have to back that up more. What I'm saying is that there was power failure in the disciples at that time. You see, the problem with knowing about God is that if you do not follow through to open your heart to know him by the Holy Spirit, then you will not have the victory in your life that the promise is promised. You'll have to keep going back and you'll have to keep convincing yourself of the scriptures that they really apply to you. You'll have to keep overcoming condemnation. Either it's that you don't have the spirit dealing with that issue of your life. You haven't surrendered that issue to your life. There's a stronghold in that issue in your life. There's a bondage in that issue of your life. And perhaps there could be a tormenting spirit in that issue. So there's something that's got to happen before we can go through this process of experiencing the victory of having Jesus work in our lives. Are we in the second row? Maybe further back. Or are we wanting to be in the first row? You cross the bridge by faith. Jesus addressed the father of the child when the father said, if you can do anything... Please have compassion on us and help us. The first line in F. F. Bosworth's book, Christ the Healer, said, if anyone wants to engage with God on divine healing, if anyone wants to receive healing in their body, they first have to settle the question, is it the will of God to heal? I've heard senior leaders of churches pray, Lord, will you send your word and heal them? That's Psalm 107, verse 20. I've heard them pray, Lord, if it is your will, heal this person. Peter, James, and John went to the temple after the experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. When they went to the temple, Peter said to the lame beggar, we don't have silver and gold, but what we have we give to you. We're not talking about counseling. We're not talking about convincing a person to be saved. We're not talking about convincing them to align themselves to be healed. It's impartation of the Holy Spirit. Is Nadine here? Where are you, Nadine? Why don't you come forward? Can you please uh, give the mic, Errol, to yes. Nadine? Is it this one? You see, when the Holy Spirit works, it really doesn't have to be complicated. Okay, we have got a couple of minutes there. Hi. So,
1: for about six years, seven, well, for about seven years ago now, about six years, I struggled with a lot of pain. I didn't know what it was. And about two years after that, I was diagnosed. Well, two years ago, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia after a a lot of tests and things. Um, Then I I, I want to say, I really, at this point, I want to say it's very important that I, I, a long time ago, chose to live my life focused on Him and not on my situations and my circumstance because when you focus on your situation and your circumstance, your life is only as good as your situation and your circumstances are. But when you focus on Him, it stays the same because He never changes. So... Um, no matter the pain that I was in and the incredible fatigue, um, because it was it was incredible. I mean, I, my, life, my life basically came to an end. Um, I would I'd come to church and we'd push through. And it was one Sunday. And, of course, you always, you always sort of look for faith. You want to build your faith in this, in this area. You always want to build your faith. So I would look for, for, for teachers or people that had healed people of fibromyalgia or people that had been healed of fibromyalgia and hear their stories. But I'd never actually heard a story that had actually, you know, that someone had been healed. And um, I came to church the one Sunday, and um, someone said just, if there's, any, if there's anyone in the room and you're in pain, just push through. And my, my answer in my mind was that I do that every day, so that's all good. And I just carried on praying, and my knee clicked. And I thought, oh, well, there we go, just another one to add to that. But I walked out of here healed. Mm. Healed, 100% healed. I still. The next morning, I woke up. And I woke up, and I was rested. I wasn't tired. And I turned to Richard, my husband, and I said to him, what did we do yesterday? Because whatever we did, I've got to do exactly the same again, because I'm actually rested. Okay. So he said, well, you went to bed this time. I'm like, well, we'll do that. And then I I realized, I got up, and I was dressing, and I wasn't holding against the wall to put my clothes on. I was just putting my clothes on. I was just completely healed. And um, yeah, so just be encouraged. It's awesome
0: you see grace builds a bridge between where you are and where God wants you to be by his promises but it's faith that takes you across the bridge grace and faith have to work God's abundant grace is available. But faith only works when we take hold of it by faith and we cross the bridge. In our own weaknesses, we can be like this father that said, in answer to Jesus, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately he said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. This is just two versions of it. And Jesus also rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that hour. And then the disciples said, why could we not cast it out? And they say, he said, because of? Because of? Because of? You can know about God, but you learn to know him by faith in critical circumstances, crisis situations, in needs, in battles, in difficulties, in problems. And you overcome by believing him and saying, Holy Spirit, help me to receive this promise. This is a process of sanctification. You will stop at the last stone wall that the enemy built across your path and not go further until you get the grace to go over it and go further. And that includes faith for your problem no matter how great it is. It doesn't matter what it is. However, when he spoke to the disciples, he was talking to them about why they couldn't cast the demon out. He said, This kind doesn't go out except by prayer and fasting. You see, fasting is like growing a balloon in your spirit, but to make room for it to grow, you have to deflate three other balloons. The three greatest appetites in a human... Well, in a man, I can speak from a man's point of view. Maybe my wife will contradict me on some of these things, but we'll see. Um, Three great appetites of man is food. Food. Sex. And power. When you starve your body of food, the appetite shrinks after a few days. And it makes space for your spiritual appetite to grow. When you devote yourself to prayer and fasting, you find that the other appetites of ambition and power and greed, which are all in the same bag, they diminish because the things that become valuable are the things of the Lord. You set your mind on things above where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. So Jesus was referring to this. I remember I was taught by Nicky van der Vestesen in an amazing three months of living in the anointing. We'd go Monday to Thursday night from 7 to 10, come home, couldn't sleep because of the anointing. Friday night, we had our own little group where we got the videos, and we had our own healing meetings every Friday. And we did this for three months. He taught us how to train your spirit through prayer and fasting. He was a man that would fast maybe twice a year for 40 days to align his spirit and equip his spirit ready for the miracle crusades that he would do. He just taught us how to do that. I'm just giving you that as an illustration. He had a, I think that Nicky van Vestazen is up there with Kubis van Rensburg in, times, in, times, uh, in terms of manifestations of power in their ministry. But Jesus puts his finger on it there. By prayer and fasting, you can increase your appetite from God. And this appetite will not be denied the Holy Spirit will see it and the Holy Spirit will come in and the Holy Spirit will address the issues and if you and I need help with our unbelief, he will build it by giving us what I call the spirit life words of Jesus and his promises that drop into our hearts and explode with faith so that we become men and women of power. Did you notice that the Holy Spirit is promised to those disciples first. And it says, when they were all in one accord, in one place. It says that when the day of Pentecost was come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. The Holy Spirit caught them by surprise. But it was because of the promise of Jesus. It was a spirit life word. You, 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 you. As to as many, this promise is to as many as the Lord our God will call. To you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. I would venture to say that we need an encounter with Jesus that the Holy Spirit gives us by revealing Jesus to us again. Jesus is not just the central figure in a religion that we believe in. Jesus is not just a great prophet or a great teacher. Jesus is not just the one that Napoleon Bonaparte, the great one of the greatest empire generals in history, he said, other emperors and dictators rule by fear. I did. He said, but we cannot match the impact of the greatest leader of history, Jesus Christ, who ruled by love. And today, his disciples will still lay their lives down to die for him because of his love for them. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will prepare our hearts to have such an appetite for God, where if we haven't had a revelation of Jesus And an infilling of the Holy Spirit and an overflow of that infilling with power that is manifested in changing your nature, making it more like Jesus, in changing your behavior, in changing your speech, in changing your commitments, in changing your uh, behavior in relationships, in changing the way that you do business. If none of that changes, then I question whether you have the Holy Spirit in your life as the leader from the Lord Jesus Christ. I question it. Or maybe you feel justified according to the Scriptures, but you're not sanctified day by day by the Spirit of God. Oh, Holy Spirit. I just pray that you would... Open the hearts of my brothers and sisters to have a hunger for you that produces a greater hunger, that produces a greater hunger and a greater thirst, like David. Lord, my heart, my heart pants after you like the deer pants for the water. I've seen young people who had changed like that. Young Peter was such a devotee to Christ, one of our disciples. He wasn't very clever, but he had a heart for God. And he latched on to this walking in the Spirit. He went on a mission trip to Guiani, uh, that's Limpopo province now, near the Mozambican uh, refugee camps. And the Lord gave him, in the prayer time before they got in the bus to go, a vision of a, a man sitting on a log who was blind and needed a miracle. And then he saw behind the man a little hut with the grass roof and he went in there in the vision and he saw another man lying on the reed mat, crippled. And he prayed into it and said, Lord, please show me where these are so we can minister the gospel to them. They got into the bus, traveled the journey from Johannesburg all the way up through the Eastern Transvaal, it was then, uh, now in Pumalanga. And as they came to the limits of the, the, the town that they were going into, they stopped before they went in. They, got, they pulled over onto the roadside and the group got out of the bus and they had a prayer meeting. And as they prayed, Peter looked up, lifted his eyes, and he saw a tree that had fallen with a man sitting on the tree. So he said, guys, just wait for me. I've got to go up there. When he went there, he found the blind man, prayed for him. He received his sight. Then he went into the little hut because it was right there. And he prayed for the crippled man And he received his health and walked again. The old man who was blind was the leader of the whole tribe there. Brought the gospel. Through one little vision and two acts of obedience. The power of the Spirit is not limited to those whose hearts are devoted to God. It is only limited by us reaching out to God to use us. That power is available to every one of us.